0: If you have your Bibles, turned to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Unless one of you preachers just have a message burning on your heart, uh, we'll yield to you. Amen? Or Any of you pastors' wives will let you testify. Amen. Alright. <clears throat> I didn't know we was having so many preachers. You know, it thrills my heart to think about our church and how God has used it to send out Preachers, missionaries and, uh, uh, from Mantoon, Mattoon, Illinois to South Africa to Argentina, to every prison in America. Uh, it's amazing, It's just amazing. Then I heard good news that uh, Brother Larry's brother got saved last night, but Larry Underwood led him to the Lord. That's his father-in-law. small world, after all, isn't it? And Larry Underwood. Uh, was Mark's childhood pastor, I guess. And, uh, yeah, Bernella, wake up. I'm trying to get you a message. Uh, but, and, uh, and it's just a blessing. I mean, he used to pastor at Nellie Head Baptist Church when Mark was just a little kid. And Johnny, of course. And Bernella was there. And uh, I didn't know he was even kin to your brother. And led him to the Lord last night. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That's wonderful, isn't it? I see, hear about people being saved. Y'all still get excited about people getting saved? I think I know what they're getting into, amen, heaven, and uh, what a blessing, but um, I thought about what I was going to preach on, I, I I have done something I've never done before in my life, I've taken off every Wednesday night for 12 weeks, uh, counting the future, and Brother Jeremy is going through the book of Daniel, and it's already opened up some doors, I believe Rock of Ages is going to make that part of their curriculum for their uh, Bible college, and you know, they're videoing it. And so um, I thought, man, what in the world am I going to preach on after he's going through the book of Daniel? And he's just starting the prophetic, not the pathetic, the prophetic part of Daniel, which I'm glad he's doing it and I'm not. And um, uh, he's, he's, um, he's on vacation tonight. He started the couple retreat early. He wanted to have a private one first and get, you know, things straightened out before he got there. No, they're going they're to the Biltmore, I believe. And uh, he's probably watching by way of internet, unless he's real spiritual, he's in a real church somewhere. But um, I appreciate Brother Jeremy, the good work he's been doing in the book of Daniel. And we just started the prophetic, so I thought I'd just preach on the second coming. Amen? Uh, Let me give you an idea about how important the second coming is. And listen, it ought to be the most revolutionary doctrine in the Bible. If you really believe the rapture could take place any minute, I have as good a picture as Brother um, Jeremy on this one. Amen. That's the only picture you're going to see. out of The whole message. He has one for every point. Praise God. I don't know where he gets all those pictures, but I'm telling you, he does a lot of time and research, and I appreciate him. But uh, I believe the Lord could come back any minute. a matter of fact, um, I believe that uh, we're been, we've been warned. It wouldn't have been a tragedy if night four lasts about 12.30, that the sirens went off and nobody paid attention to it. There'd be a lot more than 35 people dead and 38 missing. The whole town would have probably been wiped out. Uh, one fellow was telling me that um, he worked with a fellow that his, his, um, his children live in uh, Mount Juliet where Brother Philip teaches Christian school. And uh, they, they built a safe room which is a glorified safe, and they got in that, and when the tornado came through, the only thing that was standing was that safe ring. Now just wonder, just, just imagine, that they got the signal, they got the siren, they got the warning, and they didn't take heed to it. And that's why a lot of people are going to be left behind and go through the tribulation and then go to hell because they did not heed the warning. So ready or not, Jesus is coming. And uh, one verse out of every four in the Word of God points to the second coming. Um, there, I want to share with you that we ought to be ready, and the Bible wants us to be ready, and we ought to be awakened with urgency and an emergency of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to change your life. It ought to change your perspective. In fact, the Word of God, one out of every four verses... Over 365 references to the second coming. And then in the book of 1 Thessalonians, I'm just going to cover one chapter tonight. Uh, this book is full and permeated with the, with the thought that the Lord could come any minute and he's telling the church of Thessalonica, let it change your life. The Lord's coming soon. That was 2,000 years ago. Now if they believe that Jesus coming any minute 2,000 years ago, I believe we ought to believe it even more, say amen. So the second coming is not a theory to propagate, but it's a truth to practice. And I'm just saying this, is that we can get our heads in the prophetic cloud if you want to, but I want to tell you something. It ought to move your feet on the pavement of soul winning. It ought to move your feet to missions. It ought to move your soul to witness. It ought to move your testimony to be real and radiant and not live in the wilderness as we're preaching on on Sundays, but live in the abundant life. Because to someone, you're the best Christian they know. I just preached to a bunch of preachers, and one of them uh, was a pastor and his wife that's been separated for six months at the banquet uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I preached on to someone, you're the best couple they know. And that was the theme of the message. And folks, to someone, you're the best Christian they know. And so I want you to go through with me on 1 Thessalonians chapter one. I'll just be very brief. And uh, to the point, but I'm going to tell you, say this that, friend, this, the doctrine of the second coming should change your life. In the book of First Thessalonians, every verse of every chapter is permeated with the thought of Jesus' is coming. But the last verse of every chapter tells us what we ought to do about it if I get to that point. But I want you to see in verse 1, let's stand in, in honor and reverence to the Word of God if you possibly can. If not, we understand. Paul and Sylvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here it is. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. It says we give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers. What was he thankful for about this church? Did I just cut out? But anyway, maybe that was just the mic. It says in verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came in, not unto you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what matter men you were among yourselves for your, for your sake. Excuse me. And it says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. That's what we need. It says, so that you were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Acadia, and from you, sound, and from you sounded out the word of the Lord. Not only to the Macedonians and Acadians, but also in every place your faith, the God word, is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. What a statement. We need not even say much because y'all have already spread the word. For they themselves show of us what matter of entering in we had unto you, but how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his, for his son, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come, You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful doctrine that certainly ought to change our life. And God, I believe that you could come any second. I believe every prophecy has been fulfilled for the rapture to take place tonight. Lord, the sirens are sounding. The warning has, has been uh, proclaimed and shouted out for centuries that you're coming that you're coming, that you're coming. And so, Lord, help us to take it to heart and help us, Lord, to let it change our life. And we're going to praise you and thank you that we will not face you ashamed, but we'll face you with confidence, faithful, serving you until you call us home. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, you never know. As I think about 295 miles of destruction. It wasn't solid because that tornado kept going up and coming down, going up and coming down. Those folks had no idea in the middle of Tennessee that this tornado was going to come and wipe out everything, including family members. You just never know. But there's one thing we should know. If every one out of four verses mentions this truth, we ought to know that Jesus is coming. And we ought to know that it's soon. Amen? And as Billy Goosby preached about 20 years ago on a Thursday night, uh, the Lord is coming and boy is he hot. There's going to be some judgment. Say amen. But thank God, friend. First of all, I want you to notice that if you really believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming, number one, you'll be serving. You'll be serving. Look at verse three. It says, Remembering without ceasing your work It's a four-letter dirty word to some teenagers and some adults. I'll just be honest with you. This entitlement politics bugs me. Everything's free and everybody deserves this. I want to tell you something. You don't deserve anything unless you work for it. Say amen. Now, if you can't work, we understand we'll help you. But I want to tell you something, friend. God gave us able bodies to work. Amen. We ought to work faithfully in the ministry. Because it's a work of what? Faith. It's a work of faith. The practice of faith, number one, I want you to notice, uh, is the Thessalonians were serving and they practiced what they believed. If you're, if, hey listen, if your believing does not affect your behaving, then you really don't believe. In the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are so wonderfully blessed about the riches in Christ, unsearchable riches. But then you'll see chapter five, six, and seven about the service. Hey, you're blessed. I've said this often. You're blessed to be a blessing. You live in America. God help you to be a blessing to the rest of the world. We we should never forget that. So the point that I left out, I'm sorry, uh, Brother Joel, just put it up there anyway, is there's a practice of faith. There's a It's amazing how something just dawn on you, you left out, amen, of your little outline. And we're saved by faith, but folks, we have a faith that works. We're not saved by works. There's no ladder to heaven. There's no religion to heaven. Uh, folks, if there was a ladder to heaven, you could lose your salvation because you'd certainly fall out of that ladder or off that ladder or cl- climb down off that ladder. But there's a cross to heaven. And there's a the blood to heaven. But I want to tell you something. Because we're saved, we ought to be faithfully serving God. Can somebody say amen? amen? We ought to be servants of God. You know, I think I might have overdid it at the funeral. I don't know. Maybe I did I I think some of y'all really liked it because you said at the end of the service, I hope you outlive me so you can preach my funeral. That was very encouraging. Because I know a couple people are going to pray I live a little longer. Amen? So I can do their funeral. Uh, I, you know uh, I'm not very good at weddings but I've got this funeral stuff down amen brother Ryan I'm telling you talked to Adam today I said exactly where are you getting married and I said where is it I gotta know cause I've gotta drive all night because your wedding's so late and I wanna know exactly where you're at and I, I'm looking forward to it and, and Connie says act like you really want to be there I said I want to be there amen here I am traveling again you know and he told me exactly where it is. I said, well, Ken, where's a place of worship? He said, Swanee Baptist Church or something. I said, okay, I'm going to hit that uh, wherever. Or I'll try to drive all night and be back with y'all. Jason's the best man. He's taken off three days just to be the best man. Praise God. But anyway, you know, I, these weddings are rough. You've got to be very impressive. You can't make any mistakes. But a funeral, you can just shed, share your heart. And I want to tell you something, and I don't apologize for it at all. Brother Larry Reimer was a servant. I mean, folks, anybody that hang around here and turn out the lights after y'all, because we got such a good church. And I won't say why we got a good church. Y'all never want to leave this place. When I was down in Claxton, we were split down the middle. As soon as the lights went out, it was like a bunch of mice running into the hole. They were gone. And I just turned the lights off immediately because everybody hated each other. Everybody's fighting each other. Half the church wanted to run the preacher off. Yeah. You ought to try that for a couple of years. Man, that's wonderful. And Brother Paul just stood st- steady, amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. If anybody could say anything about anyone at a funeral, it ought to be he or she was faithful. I didn't say you could sing like Randy Team. I didn't say you could play the instruments like Miss Trudy or, or uh, Miss Rebecca or Miss Deborah. No, friend, listen. You're to be faithful what God's called you to do and that's to serve the living God but I want to say serve the coming King. Say amen. You're going to face Him soon and so there's a practice of faith. Then number two, there's the price of faith. There's the price of faith. I said the price of faith. I left that out too. Well, praise God. I'll tell you what. Anyway, write it down. There's a price of faith. I think I got jet lagged. I just drove drove one mile to get here, amen? But anyway, (laughs) here's the price of faith, labor of love, labor of love. You know, why do you do what you do when you do it? Well, I'm going to tell you something, you're going to be judged why you did it. It ought to be for his glory and because you love Jesus. Not that you want to get written up in the bulletin or get the preacher off your back. Folks, listen, it's not a have to, it's a want to. I love this place, but I love serving God. Saturday morning, we went door to door on Whittle Drive. That's where I rented a little house down there, and I said, i got to knock on this door. And I knocked on that door, and I saw uh, Brother Salvador, a, uh, something in Spanish about being Catholic. And I said, you know what that's saying? They don't want me to knock on this door. I knocked again, amen, loud as I could. Because I'm going to tell you something, their religion's not going to save them. And folks, I want to tell you something. I wasn't there because I had to. It's because I wanted to because somebody saved me. Somebody loved me. And folks, we can gripe and complain about serving God, but I want to tell you something. It is a privilege to serve the living God. You preachers, it's a privilege to preach this book. It's a privilege to go around the world and pack up your goods every four years and all your kids and hope you you didn't leave one of them behind. I'm talking about the kids, amen and thank God, sit on a plane for 17 hours when a Chinese lady's hitting the back of the seat or whatever. Amen. It's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God help us if we complain about serving God. We need to love serving the Lord. So the price of faith is this. He paid the price, and it's only our reasonable service that we serve God. It's on our reasonable service that we present our body a living sacrifice, holy and accepting to God. It's on our reasonable service that we give everything to God, every day to God, all our children to God. Some people are holding out on God. Some people don't even tithe. God help you. Some people don't even give their lives to God. They don't care because they don't really believe Jesus is coming soon and you're going to face him. So there's the practice of faith, there's the price of faith, And then, oh my, I see the patience of faith. It says, remembering without ceasing the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Here it is, in the sight of God is what counts. Why do you do what you do? Because you want to impress somebody else? You know, some people are narcissistic. You can just tell by the way they serve God, the way they use their talents, it's all about them. And it makes me sick. This is not Ted Mack amateur hour up here. We're not trying to audition to how great we are or how good a musician we are or what a good singer we are. Praise God, we need to serve God because he first served us and he sure has been good to us. Amen. In the light of his soon coming, you ought to have three things in your life that's predominant. Faith, love, and hope. If you'll do a study, and I challenge you to do it, every epistle that Paul wrote, he didn't get through the first paragraph. I didn't say the first chapter. I said the first paragraph. Sometimes that was one or two chapters. He never got past the first paragraph of those epistles without thanking and commending those churches for three things. Not nickels, not noses, not buildings. He praised them and thanked them for three things. Love, Faith and hope. It's there. every, every epistle. You just, you just look at it and circle it. I, don't, I, haven't got, I ain't got time to go there, but every, go, go to Second uh, uh, Thessalonians, look at it, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, every opening chapter, he's thanking them for what counts: love, faith, and hope. In other words, that's the measurement of a spiritual church. But let me just say this, That's the measure of a spiritual Christian. That you're full of love, you're full of faith, and you're full of hope. Especially in these last days. Number two, if you really believe the Lord's coming soon, I mean very soon, you'll be steadfast. You'll be steadfast. At least I got that up there. Praise God. You'll be steadfast. And what's that mean? You just won't quit. You'll be faithful. Uh, there's a mentality among Christians that you should uh, never face affliction. It's that prosperity gospel. Dealt with that a little bit in Joshua 1, eight 1, and 1, seven. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. And everything's going to be fun. Everything's going to be fabulous. And they even worship that way. I mean, let's come have fun. Let's rock it. Let's rock out. The other day I made a big mistake putting something on Facebook. I mean big. I went by this venue church up here and they had Jurassic Park in the entrance. They had another movie in the entrance. I forgot what that was. Uh, Star Wars. Good gracious. They had this big thing of Star Wars and you could either go through the Star Wars door or you could go through the Jurassic Park door. And then uh, lo and behold on the side of the parking lot this big Cloud Springs Road exit there was this big old sign that says Hollywood. Hollywood. And I thought to myself, "God help a church that would praise Hollywood, because most Hollywood people have not got marriages worth a flip." Say so, amen. I've been married five or six times. Trying to tell us how to be married, and then there's queers, and there's lesbians, and there's there's transformers or whatever they call it. Amen. <laughs> Trans dykes, I don't know what they're called. God, help them. Folks changing their body into a man and a man to a woman, that is abomination. That's wicked. That is a, that's a slap in God's face. And that's what Hollywood pushes. But what, we're going to have Jurassic Park Sunday. We're going to have Star Wars Sunday. And I, I put that on the internet. I rebuked it. I this lady got on there and let me have it. And then I finally had enough of it. I said, I, I'm never going to do this again. I should have learned a lesson. There's not a place to do it. You ought to preach at the pulpit. You ought to preach it in Sunday school. But don't put it on FB because the biggest liberals in the world are going to come on in there and say, oh, well, you ought not be that unkind, that, 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 you know, and just give you the dog about it. And Brother Eddie Kean's real estate lady was the one that was blistering me. And I called him up. I said, where are you? Don't you know this lady? I said, the only reason she got my name is because of you and I'm a friend of yours. She said, listen, man, I'm paying $1,800 a month for uh, for another payment on the thing. I'm keeping my mouth shut until she sells my house. I said, okay, praise God. At least you're honest. Big traitor. (laughs) Coward. I hope you're watching. And I remember... I finally got her though I said hey listen I want to ask you one question this is where we're at today I said in your worship service do you all have smoke coming out of the platform and do you have these guys that take off their shirts and write J on the naked body and then E and then S and U and S is that how you spell Jesus? yeah Jesus and uh, are, are they jumping up and down in that fog? no answer because George Pinion is a dirty dog if he sent me a video of that and it wasn't that church. Amen? And I thought to myself, there we are. We're here to have a concert. We're here to have a good time. We're here to get up and, and I'm glad I don't join a church like that because I'm way past jumping up and down for 30 minutes. Amen? I can't do it. I can't make it. But folks, I want to tell you something. It's a sad day. A sad day when we think that everything should go our way in these last days, folks. I'm telling you that we're walking against the grain. We're not like the world. And there is going to be friction. And the devil has a target on your back just like Kevin said. I heard that at Eric Brown's ordination service from an old preacher. I love to call preachers old because he had to be old if he's older than me. He was. So first of all, there ought to be service if you believe Jesus is coming. Then there ought to be steadfastness in the face of affliction. I want you to look at verse 5. It says, For our gospel came not in you in word only, but also in the power of the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as you know what matter men we were among you for your sakes. What a blessing. Folks, there's the power of example in one verse. You don't live like you want to, dress like you want to, Uh, be entertained like you want to. You ought to live for God's glory so people know the difference. But look at verse 6. And you became followers of us. Followers of us and of the Lord. Look at that. Us and the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Folks, they were being persecuted in these days of founding this church and they were only about a year old and they stood for God in that they had much affliction but praise God in their much affliction they had the joy of the Holy Ghost. Where has your joy gone? Is it dependent upon happenings which is happiness or do you have the joy of the Lord no matter what? That means the peace that God's called you to be what you are for God's glory. Steadfastness. There's nothing like steadfastness. Uh, Folks, listen. God's looking for somebody that's predictable. God's looking for somebody that's consistent. God's looking for somebody that's faithful when it's not easy to be faithful. Folks, we don't go through persecution like these churches. We're not going to jail. We're not being beat to a pulp. We're not being killed. I mean, it breaks my heart to see that mom and dad and that little boy. Well, how would you like to see a picture of a mom and dad and a little boy that, was, that was, their life was taken because they stood for God? I don't know why the tornado took them. I have no answer. If I was counseling with the grandparents tonight, I'd say I have no clue why that happened except for the glory of God and the fathers of the gospel. But that sounds so canned when somebody's, dying inside because their whole family's been wiped out in a storm. But folks, can you imagine people being wiped out for standing for God? And folks, that's exactly what we need to do. In these last days, we need to be steadfast. In these last days, we need to be serving. Number three, in these last days, we need to be sharing. Look at verse eight. For from you sounded out, now listen, the word of the Lord, not only to Macedonia and Acadia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Hallelujah. This church was doing such a good job, one year old, that they didn't even have to preach the gospel really because they'd already spread it and shouted it and sounded it like a trumpet, like a siren, like an emergency signal that went off uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday morning early in Nashville. And I want to tell you something, folks we need to realize we need to be soul winners if Jesus is coming. Because if Jesus is coming, who's left behind is going through the waiting room of hell. They'll believe a delusion if they've heard the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to have some, some soul winning. We need to realize that we need to be distributing the gospel and not just waiting for the apostle Paul to show up and explain it. Number four. Or should we be serving, steadfast, sharing? But we ought to be separated. Look at verse 9. For they themselves show us what matter of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Don't you love that? It reminds me of Shadrach, Bishak, and Abednego, about that living and true God. If it be true, O king... I'll still burn. And if he, and if nevertheless, and even though, we need a lot of Christians that live not the faith of if you do this and if I have a good time and if it's easy, but though you slay me, I'll still serve you. We have some though faith, amen? Though everything goes wrong, I'll still serve you. And so, folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize that we need to be steadfast. We need to be serving. We need to be sharing. But we need to be separated. Look at, the, look at verse 9. It said, turn to God from idols. I'm telling you what. We got the reputation as independent, fundamental, against everything church. But folks, I want to tell you what I want a reputation of. We love God more in the world. We turn to God first, and then if that means turning our backs on some things of this world and calling it sin and calling it sensual and calling it selfish, we'll do it. And I'll preach against sin long as God gives me breath. I'll preach against abortion long as God gives me breath. Because somebody needs to speak to the little baby in the womb. Because they're already born. It's not unborn in the womb. They're born. They're, They're alive. I want to say this, friend, the world thinks we're crazy, and the world thinks that uh, we're just some kind of eccentric, crazy, lunatic division of religion, but I want to tell you what, we need to turn from idols, but we need to turn to God, or we're just Mormons, we need to turn to God, or just Jehovah Witnesses. We need to turn to God, or we're just religionists. We need to turn to God or we're just independent Baptists and not really saved. Folks, we turn to God, there is a love that takes place, there is allegiance, there is a loyalty, and I believe that ought to mark the Christian in the last days. We ought to truly be Christians. We ought to be doctrinally sound, but we ought to be doctrinally separated. Say amen. What agree with the Bible, no matter what it costs. If it costs us our friends, our family, our finances, or even our wealth and health, we ought to stand for God's word. And we ought to stand for Him out of love. And God help, God helped this church to be known for its love for God more than its separation from the world. Amen. Folks, I'm dogmatic about separation, but I want to tell you something. Folks, first of all, I want to realize that it's for God and not for me. And not for you. And not for the sword of the Lord movement, whatever that is. Fifthly, not only do we need to be serving, steadfast, sharing, and separated, but fifthly, we need to be sure. We need to be sure. Look at verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in the word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what matter of men, we were among you for your sakes. i got to close my time's up. But I want to say this, friend. We need to be a witness and not a question mark. In these last days, we need to know God. We need to know His word. We need to know that God is as good as His Word. He's coming soon. He said He was coming soon. And you better believe He is coming soon. These Christians in Thessalonica were sure people. They weren't cocky. And they were not confident in the flesh. But they were so sure, with much assurance, that there were witnesses that sounded out and covered all of Acadia and all of Macedonia and they became in samples. You know what that means? True examples. Samples. I still love going to Sam's Wholesale. Jason wants to go, I said, no, I'll go. Other people volunteer to go, no, I'll go. And one of the reasons I love Sam's Wholesale is they still have those little counters with those samples. They get tired of me going by about five times. I mean, oh yeah, I'll take another cracker and a little tuna. Oh yeah, yogurt? Yeah, give me that. I just had the tuna. I need some dessert now. I'll go to that next one. But wouldn't it be sad if it was sour? Wouldn't it be sad if it was stale? Do you think I'd buy anything else from that store if I took the sample and it was sorry? And I'm gonna tell you something. In the last days, there's a lot in samples and there's a lot of samples and there's a lot of examples that are just stale. No joy of the Holy Ghost. I mean, God's not interested in your allegiance if it's going to make you sour as a prune or look like one. I mean, it's wonderful to have the joy of the Holy Ghost because it's attractive. Nobody wants to join the Marine Corps of Independent Baptists, but they'll sure join a happy family. I was talking to someone recently they said, you know what the difference in this place and the Catholic church is that we were raised? I go into the Catholic church sad and I leave sadder. I come into this church and I feel loved. Preacher, it's like one big family. I like this place. I think I'll hang around it. And I'll tell you what, I had not stopped smiling since he told me that. It's the truth. The difference in religion and relationship is joy and peace and love and faith. And so, folks, we need to have surety. We need to be sure. Sure of the will of God. Sure of the work of God. and Sure of the witness of God. The witness is the Holy Ghost in our life. I preached the other morning. I'm going to preach it next Wednesday night because I've got to do another couples retreat in Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Where in the world that is? I don't know. And I said, Well, preacher, I think that's closer to my church than your church. He says, No, I want you to come by. And you've got to kick it off because half our church won't go to couples' retreats. They won't do it. And I said, We need you. Come on. And God's laid a message on my heart the greatest need of the church. And I preached it, practiced on Canaan land the other morning. I want to tell you what the greatest need of the church is the Holy Ghost. If I had one prayer, one prayer request, I'd pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If I prayed one prayer before I went soul winning, I'd want to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if I had one prayer for my marriage and one prayer for my children, that the Holy Spirit would be real and relevant and revealed in my children's life. Folks, the greatest need we have. Is the Holy Spirit, and you can't even pray without the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. So, excuse me for having the same theme that I had about 10 years ago. Folks, spiritual oneness is whatever marriage needs. Spiritual oneness. The marriage is extremely spiritual, and you can't make it in the flesh. Best you can do is maneuver. Closing, sixthly, we need to be saved. We need to realize the source of salvation is found in verse 1. It's the grace of God. He always began this in every letter too. Grace and then peace. And folks, that's the satisfaction of salvation. There's grace and there's peace. Thank God. Folks, there's no peace without His grace. And that's why it's so absurd for you to try to live your little life in these last days in your flesh. He's coming soon. And will he find vessels yielded and full of the Holy Spirit? And I want to tell you something. There is a help like a tree planted by the waters. There's a help. And so we need to not just hold the fort. We need to take new ground. But I think we ought to stay faithful. There was a fierce battle was raging during the Civil War in the 1860s. General Sherman, at Yankee, was leading the northern troops on a path from Chattanooga to Atlanta. And on that, and on to the ocean, they were going to go all the way to Savannah. And he was burning everything in his path. A tornado covered 295 miles. Sherman was marching, tearing everything up. And in time, he was, he was involved in a strategic battle at Fort Altoona. Y'all know where that's at, don't you? Fort Altoona. And the Confederates, under the leadership of Captain Hood, knew the North would receive new supplies at Fort Altoona in order to continue the march past Atlanta and onto the ocean. And so the Confederates attacked Fort Altoona. And as the battle raged, General Sherman was on the nearby mountain uh, with field glasses watching the scene And a message from inside the fort received that more men and supplies were desperately needed. And these were supplied and the battle for Fort Altoona continued. And as the battle raged, the captain inside the fort received a message from a reflective signal mirror on top of a distant mountain from General Sherman. And this is what it said. Hold the fort for I am coming. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to hold the fort because Jesus is coming. We need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's be sure we're saved. Let's be sure we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's be sure that we're steadfast even when it gets tough. Let's be sure. Let's just be sure That uh, we have faith, love, and hope as the evidence of our Christian life. Then the lost and dying world will not shake their fists at us one day, as we look on and say, "Why didn't you live in the last days what you believed? Now I'm going to hell because you wasn't a good sample, you wasn't a good example, but you was inconsistent." Unfaithful. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you, dear God, for this message. Help us not to have our heads up in the prophetic clouds, but have our bodies yielded to the powerful Holy Spirit. And God, help us realize it's fourth quarter. It's almost over. And God, we need to be more faithful, more loving, more patient. More, more yielded, more serving than we've ever been before. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we've got a few minutes before the children are out. Have me say, preacher, I want the doctrine of the second coming to revolutionize my life. But I want my love to revolutionize my life. I want my faith and I want my hope to notify the world that I'm not quitting I'm not recanting. I'm not retreating. I'm going on for God, because the Lord's soon going to come, and that's your prayer tonight. That you'd want to be faithful in these last days. Would you slip your hands real high for prayer? God bless you, almost everybody in here. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to preach the gospel. Lord, I didn't really feel like preaching. I wanted to turn it over to somebody else. But God, you told, told you laid this message on my heart. And so glory, I'm glad I've delivered it because I need it. God help us to be faithful in these last days. Help us be full of your love, your faith, your spirit. And God help us to be good samples of Christ-likeness. And we'll praise you for every soul that's saved, for every Christian that returns to the flock that's backslidden. God thank you, thank you so much for my wife and my children. Lord, I want to be the best daddy I could ever be, the best granddaddy, and I want to be the best husband I could ever be. And Lord, I know I need your spirit in these last days. Lord, thank you for the faithful saints that's went on before us. But God, help us not to get discouraged because they're gone. God, help us to step up and fill the gap. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name, Amen.